Well, hello, everybody. That little video kind of makes you want to dance a little bit, the cha-cha or something. But, uh, hey, I'm really glad that you're here. Uh, wherever you are, as we're in this online environment now, we can, we're can we kind of all over the place. Uh, some of you, however, are also gathering together at watch parties of your own making or watch parties connected to your campus or church. Uh, some of you are in the studio audience. Really, really glad that you're here today. We are starting a new series called Going There and we'll go there in just a moment. But first, I do want to say thank you from a very personal perspective. And that is for all of you who have been praying for my family. Uh, Ryan mentioned last week, so you may be aware that my brother uh, has been in this journey, uh, battle against cancer. Uh, he has had brain cancer and on Wednesday night, he passed away. And obviously, that's really hard for our family. And so please continue to pray, especially for his wife, Becky, and their boys, and uh, for all of us, because we're going to miss him. He's my only brother, my only sibling, and I hate that. But at the same time, I'm super thankful to know where he is, and he's not suffering. He is more than great uh, in heaven and you're part of that story, Chase Oaks, and that's a story to be told some other time. But I just want to thank you. And he, he was a very enthusiastic Chase Oaker uh, there in Birmingham, Alabama. And so I know he'd be cheering us on as we go through this season that we're going through and even as we start this series. But again, just thank you for praying. And and now let's go there and start the series. Uh, this series is really about focusing on the issues that divide and there's a lot of issues that divide in this polarized culture and kind of this us against them culture and honestly it's probably easier not to go there but sometimes it's important to go there uh, when uh, when my mom was I guess junior high high school she and my aunt uh, she has a sister we were all together because of you know my brother last week as a family and uh, they were talking about this story that happened when they were both in high school, junior high. Uh, they were taking a family vacation, four of them in the car, driving to Chicago, long drive. And in order to make the long drive shorter, they decided to play a game. And instead of doing like the license tag game or something like that, they decided to make up a new game. And here's the game. Let's all share one thing about someone else in the car that we've never shared before because we're scared to, that maybe it's a little awkward, but we feel like they really need to know about themselves. <laughs> that was the game. Now, there's a reason that game hasn't taken off over the years, you know, over the decades, because it did not go well. And, and not very much long after that, it made a long car ride really long uh, because they didn't talk for hours and hours and hours. Nobody said a word. They went there, but they shouldn't have, because sometimes you shouldn't go there. Sometimes there's just some things that are better left unsaid, some conversations, honestly, that are better left just unhad. But that's not what we're talking about in this series. I believe that the issues that we're focused on in this series that will guide us through this season that we're in, through this political season that we're in, are really, really important to have. And for a number of reasons, and here's a few of those. One is, uh, our vote matters. Uh, now, I don't want to overblow that, because the truth is, you and I, when we vote in November, whoever gets in or whoever's in, whoever's out, it's not the beginning of the world and it's not the end of the world. 
And we're going to talk about that. I don't want to overblow the significance of an election in one country and one time on this planet because God is God and he's in control. But at the same time, it does influence a lot of people and our vote matters. And we want to be thoughtful about that. And this series will help us as we think through issues as we prepare for that. I think even more importantly, the unity of the church is at stake. Because right now we all feel the polarization in our culture, the us versus them. And, you know, we're right, they're wrong, we're smart, they're stupid. And, and it's just ripping our country apart. And if we allow that to rip the church apart, that's a really, really big win for Satan. Because God is doing what he's doing in the world through his church. And if we lose our unity, we lose everything and we lose our effectiveness and we don't want that. It's okay to disagree. It's not okay to lose the unity of the church. And we'll talk about that too. And the third reason is the mission of Jesus. That as we go through a season that we're in, we're going through it right now. You and I don't represent just us. We represent Jesus. And as Jesus said, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. The way people think about God will be determined in large part by what people see in you and me who follow him, who claim to know him. And therefore, we need to be the best versions of ourselves right now as we go through uh, this difficult and contentious and such in such a weird time. All the more important to let our light shine and, and to give a positive representation of our father. And so we are going to go there in this series. And essentially what that means is we're going to be looking at some really big issues. Today we're talking about politics. Uh, we'll talk about life. We'll talk about race. We'll talk about business. We'll talk about, uh, well, I don't remember. There's five issues that we'll focus on in this series. The environment is one of them. And as we do that, the goal is to have an elevated perspective to say, let's look at what the Bible says, kind of God's perspective about these issues to inform us as we kind of as we go through this season in a way where we can be more informed and, and more nuanced. But the idea is to get above the polarization, above the us versus them, above all the social media crud going on and just say, let's let's look at what the Bible has to say that can help us as we form our perspective. And for those of you who are not church people, for those of you who are not Christians, who are maybe kicking the tires of Christianity, this is a really cool series to be part of because I think you'll, I think you'll agree. And I think one of the reasons you're watching is that you believe the Bible has a lot of wisdom and therefore whoever you are, the Bible's going to have a lot of wisdom to inform our opinion about these issues. But certainly for those of us who are Jesus followers, Super important to say, hey, how can we get above the muck in the mud and have an elevated perspective, see it from God's perspective? And that's what we're going to do now this this week. We're going to start by talking about politics to kind of guide our political journey. And the way I want you to think about this as we go through this season, especially the next 40 something days between now and the election and beyond that, too, certainly is I want you to picture yourself on a road, okay? And, and this road is on a mountain ridge. And on either side, it falls down thousands of feet. So if you go off the road on either side, not good, all right? And what we're going to see from the Bible are two guardrails to keep us navigating in a good way. And, and without these guardrails, I believe we will fall off a cliff 
one way or another. And the first guardrail is to remember our primary identity. Now, this is for those of us who are Jesus followers, our primary identity and our primary focus, because it's really easy to lose this in a season like this, to remember our primary identity and our primary focus. Let's talk about identity, because here's what I mean by this. Philippians 3.20, Paul says it this way, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's talk about our citizenship is in heaven first, our identity. One thing that we cannot lose, and it's easy to lose in a time like this, is the fact that our citizenship is not primarily here on this planet or here in this country. There are people listening from different countries right now. But for those of us, let's say who are in America, they, of course, we're American. But the minute you and I become a Jesus follower, we now become part of something way bigger than one country on this planet and one point in time. We become part of God's kingdom, his rule and his reign as he is working to redeem this broken planet and as he tries to reach the nations of the world. And therefore, you and I are not primarily citizens here. Instead, we're ambassadors here. We're citizens of heaven and ambassadors here. That's what Paul says in Second Corinthians. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. And when you and I become believers, uh, our Identity is not American or Venezuelan or wherever you're listening from, but we're citizens of heaven, ambassadors here with a big mission, and that is Jesus's mission on this planet. And the reason that's important is because it's easy, I think, to lose perspective. And it's not just Americans. Throughout history, it seems like most cultures find a way to make their particular nation in their particular time kind of God's special nation or God's special group of people. And, and, and we become very, in our case, let's say America centric in terms of what God is doing in the world. And we're somehow a Christian nation or God's nation or the locus of what God is doing on this planet. And that's just not true. I, I remember uh, this was like 20 something years ago. I was in Austria and I, I was with these Austrian Christians and they were talking about the world and politics and all that. And they were talking from a very Austria centric perspective. And it sounded so weird because they were acting like like Austria was where it's at. That's what God's really up to. That's the center of what God's doing. And uh, it, and hey, I love Austria. You know, they have mountains. They have Wiener Schnitzel. They have uh, Edelweiss, Edelweiss. I mean, they got, you know, what's that apple strudel? I mean, it's all good. I like it. But I remember thinking, Austria? I mean, really? Come on. You know it's America, right? And, of course, we're both silly. It's not that there's something, you know, I mean, there is something unique about different cultures. And any culture that that has uh, some some things built into them that's been informed by God's truth, they're going to benefit from that. But let's just remember whose we are, that, that we belong to, we're citizens of heaven, we represent him here. And countries like America will rise or fall, and that's okay, but the Lord is the Lord and King of Kings, and that's not going to change. And so we just need to remember that. We also need to remember our focus, our primary focus, which is not political. As Paul said, our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Can we all agree that this world is messed up? 
And it, it, I mean, it just, it's broken and it's lost and it needs a lot of help and a lot of change with all the brokenness, all the injustices, all the inequities, all the, all the messed upness, all the immorality. I mean, all this stuff that is there is messed up. And what is going to save our world? I'll tell you what's not going to save our world is politics. It's not that that's not influential, like any other field is influential, but, but if we look to our political candidate or our political party, whoever that is, as the savior of the world, then we're misguided. Because the only one who can save our world is the one who came to bring salvation in the world and through his church is bringing his redemption to the world. And that is a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. I love uh, this quote from John Ortberg. It's a little bit long, so hang with me. Um, He's an author. Um, Read his books. It's good stuff. But here's what he says. Imagine that we elected all the right people to the right offices. President, Congress, governors, right down to the school board, city council members, and dog catcher. Let's imagine that all these ideal office holders instituted all the right policies. Let's imagine we got all the propositions right. Every piece of legislation from zoning laws to tax codes to immigration policy to crime bills. It's just is just directly exactly the way you know it should be. Would that usher in the kingdom of God? Would the hearts of the parents be turned to their children? Would all marriages be models of faithful love? Would greed and pride be legislated out of existence? Would human beings now at last be able to master our impulses in areas of sexuality and anger and narcissism? Or let's get a little more personal. Would you finally become the woman or man you know you ought to be? I don't think so. It's not that politics is insignificant. It's just that's not the answer. And therefore, as we go into a political season, let's remember who we are and what our cause really is and what our focus really is. And that is the mission of what God is doing on this planet. And therefore, I don't believe God is nervous up in heaven about the election. I really don't. I believe we should take it seriously, but let's remember whose we are and let's remember why we're here. Let's remember our identity and focus. And as we do that, as we think about these issues, let's also remember from where, like what our source is to influence our perspectives. Because if we know we're God's people, then we should be people of the book. I'm talking about this book, the Bible, that this is God's revelation to us to say, man, I want to I want God to inform my perspective, not Social media to form my perspective or cable news to form my perspective or my political party to form my perspective. In other words, we should be uh, Bible people more than party people. I mean, I like parties. And some of you are like, what's wrong being a party person? I was a party person. I remember my freshman year in college. I had a 1.2 GPA to prove it. And then I had to, you know, had my parents got in trouble. I couldn't be. But, you know, I'm not talking about that kind of party person. But but right now we're so partisan and we're so polarized that typically kind of the, the just the typical thing that's happening right now. Right. We all know it is, you know, you have people on this side who are getting their news in a pretty myopic way and it, kind of in an echo chamber. They're talking with people who are just like them, hanging out with people who are just like them. Um, they're sharing social media posts with people who are just like them. 
And it's us, you know, this group, whoever this is, whoever the us is against them on this side who are doing the same thing with, you know, their. And so therefore their perspectives are being formed by that. And that's dangerous for a Jesus follower. What I'm going to challenge us to do is, is simply this. It's not wrong to be political. It's not wrong to have a political party. But before we go there, can we choose to allow our faith to come before our party filter, our faith filter to come before our party filter? Let's just make sure we get it right. It's okay to, you know, again, be whatever you want to be. But let's put our faith filter before our party filter. And that's what we're going to try to do in this series on this issues. And if you do that, I'll warn you, things get fuzzy. Things aren't so black and white. It's not so clear. We're smart. They're stupid. When you start to look at what the Bible says, like if you try to guess, is Jesus, would he be a Republican or a Democrat? Who would he vote for? And for some of you right now, I know what you're thinking. You're like, that's obvious. Why are you even asking the question? I mean, isn't it obvious Jesus would be a Democrat? Or some of you are thinking, isn't it obvious Jesus would be a Republican? And, and I've been in Christian settings where I've heard Christians say, I, I can't imagine how any Bible-believing Christian could possibly vote anything other than Democrat. And I've been in circles of Christians who've said, I can't imagine how any biblical person who loves Jesus could vote anything other than Republican. Because when you look at the Bible, it actually, it, is, it, it just sort of starts depending on which issues you focus on. For example, if you're looking at the Bible to say, well, will God be a Republican or Democrat? There's some reasons you would say, you know what? He looks pretty conservative, you know, whether that's Republican or Libertarian or whatever you want to, you know, choose. God is pro-business. We'll talk about that. Demands work rather than welfare for those who can work. He sanctions capital punishment for murderers. He values the life of the unborn. He gives greater wealth to some more than others and even says, you know what? That's okay. He upholds the families, the basic social structure for the church and the world. And you think, yep, see, I told you, but not so fast because you could also look at the Bible and say, huh, I wonder if God would be liberal. I wonder if he would be the other way, because when you look at the Bible, he demands that governments care for the poor. He calls for massive debt forgiveness. He demands that we care for the environment. He pronounces judgment on those who don't uh, who don't pay fair wages. He rails against the powerful and wealthy when they abuse that privilege with no accountability. He's always for the immigrant. He hates injustices of all kinds, including economic, racial and gender injustices. So you look at that and you think, you know, it's kind of hard to know what would God be? And let me give just one bit more perspective, which is really good. In fact, right now, I know it's hard when you watch online. To, you get a little unfocused. Some of you, somebody I bet in your home has already gone to the bathroom or went and got more coffee or some kind of donut or something. So get everybody back. We'll wait. We'll all wait for you. All however many thousand people will wait for you in your house. So just come on because this is important. This is worth the price of admission right here. What we're going to focus on in this series is what I'll call biblical common ground as we look at these issues. Meaning we're going to get above politics and say, what, what does the Bible say about the environment? What does the Bible say about life? And what does the Bible say about race? And that's biblical common ground. Underneath that, we have to figure out, well, how do we live that out in culture? How do we leave that on government? And there's there's room for disagreement there. And that's that's OK. I think it's even healthy. So 
you know, that might take a left-leaning person a certain way. You know, somebody might say, well, I think the best way is this. I think the best way is this. I think the best way is this. Well, politics is down here. That's not what unites us in the church. What unites us is up here. Let me give an example of that. Let's talk about poverty. Because I was going to give a whole week to poverty. We shortened the series because I went home to, uh, because of my brother. And, uh, and so we'll do another week on poverty sometimes. Um, and let me just talk about it real quick here. So I think we would all agree that poverty is a big issue in the Bible. I mean, if you don't have to read much of the Bible to know, like if you read the, the uh, uh, books in the Bible where God judges nations, the prophets, and he judges not just his nation, but all nations. And one of the biggest things he looks for is he judges nations. And we're talking about politics is how we treat the poor and how we treat the disenfranchised and what we do with poverty. He judges nations according to that. And I think all of us probably listening who are Jesus people would say, yeah, I care about poverty. I want to influence any way I can influence in a way that can lift up the poor. And where there's disparities and stuff, I want people to be able to cross that bridge and cross that gap. I think I think we'd all say that. I hope so. That's that would all unite us. No matter what your politics are, but where politics come out is, well, OK, how do you do that? So people leaning this direction might say, well, obviously the best way to do that is we need to take, you know, money, but more money in our government, take it from other things or from business or taxes or whatever, so that we can have more government programs that lift up the poor and that deal with it that way. People on this side would say, no, big government, you know, doesn't work or it's not the best way. Uh, big, instead, it needs to be free enterprise and personal responsibility. Uh, people over here might say it's got to be a little bit of both or right. There's there's re, there, there's plenty of room for disagreement here. And we can even listen to each other and respect each other down here because we have the common ground here. Does that make sense? So in this series, we're going to focus on the biblical common ground. And knowing that we'll have a lot of diversity here. In fact, I'm so glad as a church that we are not a church where we're all the same down here. Because there are a lot of churches like that where they're all left or they're all right. And and that makes it easy for a pastor because all you got to do as a pastor is stand up and make the other side look stupid. And your whole church stands and applauses. And I think that's sick. I think it's gross. I don't think that's what you should unite us. I believe God wants there to be diversity here and we should respect each other and learn from each other here as we're all trying to to do this. And, and let me let me tell you one reason why I think so. Um, let me I'll prove it to you. So uh, Jesus, when he's choosing his disciples, 12 disciples, and you know, the disciples, right? Can you name them right there in your house? Just try to name them like grumpy, sleepy, uh, doc, happy. OK, those are the dwarfs. But. You know, Peter, Andrew, Philip, Nathaniel, so on. Okay, so Jesus choosing his disciples. This is crazy. So to me, I would not have done it this way, but Jesus did. So he chooses two of the disciples in a very politically polarized world. This is the nation of Israel under Roman domination. It was highly charged politically. There have been a lot of violence, a lot. We think we have problems there. They were on a whole other level. We think we're polarized. They were on a whole other level. And Jesus picks two of his disciples. One of them is a guy named Simon the Zealot and the other Matthew, the tax collector. There were not two more opposite people on the planet than those two people politically. You have Matthew, the tax collector, who's a representative of Rome taxing his own people. 
You have Simon the Zealot. What's a zealot? A zealot was a political party that was an anarchist kind of party that wanted to overthrow Rome. They even they embraced violence. I'm not saying Jesus embraced violence. He didn't. We know that. But the zealots did. And so God, Jesus, chooses one of them. He chooses a zealot and he chooses this Roman official, this tax collector. And again, more opposite you could not have. I mean, today, and this is going to bother some of you, and you're going to get frustrated maybe with me or mad at me, but I'm grieving right now. Remember that, so take it easy on me. And my brother, by the way, would love that I just used him that way. Uh, he would get a big kick out of that. But because it would be like today, Jesus choosing somebody from Antifa on one hand and like somebody who's been involved. I know she's not anymore, but somebody like Kellyanne Conway in the Trump administration and saying, hey, why don't you follow me? Be like, what? And again, I'm not saying that Jesus embraced the values of this or this or what, you know, but he invited these people to discipleship who were very different from each other. And can you imagine the conversations around the campfire at night, especially early on. But what happened over time, right, is they learn from each other. They moderate. They 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 go. They move from where they are to a better place in part because of the diversity that's there. And they as they commit to follow Jesus together. There a lot of times people will wonder, you know, about Chase Oaks. Are we left leaning or are we right leaning? Because right now in cancel culture, we're like we're either for you or against you. I, we can't be part of something if I'm not, you know, if I don't agree in every way. And that's just like childish. But that's where we're at right now as a culture, unfortunately. And so people try to figure it out. Are, you know, should I be for you or against you? Are you are you the, you me or not? Are you that other? Are you them? And so are we left leaning or right leaning? And. I love the way that uh, uh, another pastor answered this. This was a long time ago, uh, years ago. He said, you know, people ask our church, all the, ask me all the time, is our church a left-wing church or a right-wing church? And here's my answer. We are for the whole bird. Isn't that awesome? I love that. I wish I'd made that up and I could claim it, but I can't because that was a better pastor than me who came up with that one. We're for the whole bird. We actually believe it's really healthy to have diversity and to be unified around a common commitment to Jesus and our mission, which will lead me to the next guardrail. And that is to commit to unity within and civility without. When I say within, I'm talking about within the church, with other people who know Jesus, unity within and civility without, with those who are outside the church, who have very different perspectives than we do, very different values than we do, to commit to unity within and civility without. Let's talk about unity within. Paul says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and completely gentle, is the way you could translate that. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. I think a better translation there is fight for unity at all costs. Fight for unity. Don't let disunity in the body of Christ happen because Jesus stakes his whole mission on the unity of the church. In John 17, he said he prayed a prayer. He prayed for you. If you believe in Jesus, for all those who come to believe, he said, I don't pray for the world. I pray for those who will come to believe, Father, that they are one as you and I are one. So the watching world will know that you indeed sent me into the world. Why? Because they're one. 
this very diverse group of people who have very different opinions, very different backgrounds, very different ethnicities, very different all kinds of things, who are, despite their diversity, are incredibly unified in a way that's remarkable enough. A watching world looks on and says, wow, where, where, how can that happen? And if we lose that, we lose our effectiveness in the mission. All Satan has to do to render us ineffective, our generation of church, is to get us disunified. That's all he has to do. And we've lost. It's over. It's just like we give up. We can't let that happen. And I believe Satan, I know that because it's biblical, is always trying. The Bible lets us know he's always trying to pull us apart. And if you and I allow this polarization that's happening in our culture as his church to pull us apart over these political things and even things like, should we wear masks or not? Or should we be open or not? Or should, if we allow that kind of stuff to pull us apart, we're just giving Satan a victory, a huge victory. We're just basically giving up. We cannot let that happen. And I'll just, since we're in the spirit of going there, and I'm a little raw right now because, you know, my brother and everything. So I, I'm just going to go there. But is that happening in our church? It is. And I hate it. And it can't keep happening. I mean, it's happening in churches everywhere. Churches are being pulled apart. And we just got to commit to say, not not here, God. No, we're not going to do that. And what that means, the church is just you and me to say, hey, we're going to rise above that. We're going to rise above our politics, rise above our opinions, rise above all that. And understand that unity is way more important than my politics or way more important than my opinion about a pandemic. And how do we do that? Well, he tells us, be completely humble. Listen to people. Realize, like Ryan said a couple weeks ago, that this thought, I could be wrong. Maybe I don't have all the answers. Maybe you're not as stupid as I thought. Maybe I could learn from you. Humble and gentle. Imagine if we were that way. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Even people who are so goofy, they would believe that. Make every effort to pursue the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Because here's the reality. Here's what, how Paul goes on. Because there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope and you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. What unites us with all our different opinions, all our different backgrounds, one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. That's what unites us. And we can't forget that. And it's okay to differ. It's okay to have different opinions. It really is. But let's just don't do so in a way that loses the unity of the church. Because if we do, we've lost. We can't do that. We have to fight for unity. And then civility without. Meaning outside the church. Meaning as we engage culture in a pluralistic world where people have different views and different ideas and all that and how do we engage a world that may think very differently than we do and in a world that has lost civility? And we know that it's ugly, right? I mean, you know, how many how many of us have either shut down social media or thought, you know, I think I should just because it's so ugly. We're a culture that's lost civility as Jesus people. We can't lose civility. We've got to rise above that. Here's what Paul says in, in Titus 3. Remind the people 
to be subject to rulers and authorities and to be obedient. Now, this was hard because these were crazy Roman Caesars who were persecuting them because they were Christians. And he says, be subject to them, be obedient. Romans, he says, be respectful that whoever gets in or whoever stays in or however it works out in November it doesn't mean you agree with everything they do or you have to agree with them. It doesn't mean that that you have to do what they say if they tell you to do something that's against what the Bible says. But other than that, realize ultimately, as Paul said in Romans, it's God's choice and he has his reasons and you go with it. Be respectful. And then be ready to do whatever is good, to be here for good people, not part of the problem, but part of the solution that a world can look on and say, wow. The world is so messed up, but look at those Christians. The world is so much better because of those people. They, I mean, they believe some funky stuff. I don't get all their, you know, deal. But wow, I wouldn't want to live in a world without them because they do so much good. To slander no one. I wonder in the social media thing, when people share social media about other groups of people, and it's not that they're all wrong or all slander, all untrue, but you know how it just shades things just a little bit where it's not really fair representation of the other side. That's slander too. I wonder what percentage of that kind of social media, the us versus them kind of social media, when you're talking about them, I wonder what percentage of that is slander. I don't know, but my guess is it's pretty high. And we can't, we can't do that. To be peaceable. And consider it peaceable, not warmongering, not trying to pick a fight, peaceable and consider it and to always be gentle toward who say it at your house right now. Everyone, <laughs> everyone, not just the people that you agree with, not just the people who are logical, not just the people who are sensical, but to be gentle toward everyone. And imagine if we as Christians did that, I mean, that would that would, you know, Jesus talked about being light in a way that people are like, wow, there must be a God. I'm going to you know glorify God in heaven. If we just did this, if we were just if we just did Titus three, one to two through this political season, we would accomplish that. We would achieve that. And so as we go there and we're going to go there in this series and you're not agree, you're not going to agree with everything. That's OK. Put it to the test of the Bible. That's the whole point. And, and we're going to look at things from an elevated perspective, try to look at these issues from a biblical perspective and and to say, let, let's let's find biblical common ground that then we'll have to apply. And we may apply those things differently, but let's kind of rise above the muck, rise above the polarization, right above the uh, rise above the us versus them and all the crud that's going on here. And just say, God, we just want to look at this from your perspective. And, and if we, if we're able to do that, it's going to be a really, really great series and inform us as we go through uh, this season and beyond this season as well. And, and as we do, let's remember the guardrails to say, Hey, let's remember whose we are and what we're really here for because we belong to Jesus and we're here to further his kingdom purposes in this world that's bigger than any one nation. And, and we're here to be ambassadors to this you know, to, to the nation that God, wherever God has you, we're, we're here to, to move into brokenness and move into need and move into darkness with his love and light and to share with people the good news about how they can come to know God through faith in Jesus and, and where their lives can be changed from the inside out. That's what's in, most important. That's why we're here. And on the other side, to commit to unity within the church and civility outside the church. And if we do that, I believe it'll keep us from going off 
uh, going off some kind of cliff. And we, and we can actually navigate pretty well. And as we do, be encouraged because here's the thing. There is an election coming up. But you know the, the one office that's not up for re-election is Lord of Lords, King of Kings, God of the universe. He's not going anywhere. And he happens to be completely in charge of everything. And he's the one ultimately, the Bible says, that raises people up, leaders up, rulers up, and tears them down. And he is doing his work in this world and he wants to use you and me as his people to do so. And therefore, we don't, we don't have to be overly charged up or overly nervous because we know that above all this is a loving God who's got it going on and got it figured out. And he's not nervous about it. He's going to accomplish his purposes. We can do our part responsibly, but realize that he's the one that's Lord of Lords and King of Kings, and he's not going anywhere. And because of that, certainly for those of us who are Jesus followers, I want us at the beginning of the series to submit to him and to say, God, I just want you to inform my perspective. I just want to go through this season in a way that honors you. I want to submit to you. I don't want to be a party person. I want to be a Jesus person first and foremost. And then, okay, I may choose a party. That's great. But I want my faith filter to be in front of any other filter. And and therefore, I I want to submit to you. So I'm going to ask the bands to come up at wherever you are right now, if there's a band. And um, because they're going to lead us in a song. And it's one of the songs that, that our worship teams wrote called Make Room, which is just a way to say, God, I... I want, I want to make room in my heart and life for you, and I want to submit to you, and I want to surrender to you everything, including everything I think about all that we've talked about and what we'll look at in this series. I think that's a great way to start this series. So pray with me, and then we'll sing together. Father, thank you for your light that helps guide our path. Because in this dark world, we desperately need it. And God, you know the what it's like here. Uh, you know the polarization and all this stuff, and it, it's just messy. And so, Father, would you help us rise above that as your people and to take our cues from you and to represent you and to love each other well, even people who disagree with us. And, and just help us right now at the beginning of this to surrender to you and speak into our lives in this series and challenge us where you need to challenge us and encourage us where you need to encourage us. In Jesus' name, amen.